0: Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? I feel like we have bad
1: timing, man. We literally released a podcast Friday at like 11 a.m. last week called The NBA is Back, and all (laughs) we could talk about was the positivity around the return. They had announced the plan, and it hadn't even been like hours after that that uh, Kyrie Irving led a call uh, across the league thinking about uh, whether they should really come back for a myriad of reasons. But, you know, I just felt it was very poetic that right as we put that out there, Kyrie uh, told us not so fast.
0: But it does seem like they're going forward with it. It does. Um, and I got scared for a second. And then we were texting back and forth. And I was starting to get worried that this entire thing was going to get torpedoed. And it still might. But uh, I think things have stabilized a little bit. Um a lot of discussions have been had in the last and more details as we're going to talk about. So still hopeful that things will carry on as, as usual. But, yeah, the timing could not have been worse, especially given that the week before we talked about, like, some of the ethical questions around restarting the league. And right, that's come back to the forefront now. So,
1: But it passed, you know, the proposal to return passed nearly unanimously by the team owners, right? Only the Blazers voted against it and passed unanimously by the player reps. So by all accounts though they had agreed, you know, that they are taking some level of risk by resuming, it was an acceptable level of risk given what was on stake financially, what was at stake legacy-wise versus, you know, the precautions that they had put in place. So we felt like we were kind of past that. I know there was a number of uh, you know, social related issues that they may have not have accounted for during that first vote. But um, you know, this week they did put out a much more detailed plan i think even when you kush and i were talking about this we knew what they were going to do at a at a high level but we didn't have nearly the number of details that were that were released in the last couple days and you know for a brief moment we're we're able to have some fun with this so you look through this plan i think it was a hundred plus 113 page uh you know plan to resume with basically every detail laid out what were some uh Walk me through some of the things that stood out to you. I think a lot of the there was, the, the, the proposal was pretty much built for memes and, and, and like Twitter oh, jokes to be made.
0: Well, first of all, I think at the top of it, we have to discuss the fact that there's three hotels. Yep. And the teams are segregated <laughs> by tier. Or yep. essentially, the good teams are in the, what is it, the Destino? Grand Destino? Yeah. And then the Kings and all the bottom tier teams are in the Yacht Club, which... Um, doing a little research, I hear there's quite the disparity between between the hotels. Um, so it's just funny to think that, uh, you know, some of, literally it's it's done in a hierarchical fashion where the best teams, LeBron is you know chilling in a king suite while the Kings are in some motel room on a uh,
1: yeah. Orlando. I mean- Davis Bertons and uh, Rui Hachimura are like rooming together at the Motel 6. I, I have in my notes, it just says Motel 6 Wizards. <laughs> the thing is, the Yacht Club is probably really nice by any account, but I think... Um, so let me ask you this, because this, this is what I was confused about. Do you think it makes more sense to do it the way they did it, which is tiered based? The idea is, I don't think, is necessarily to create social classes amongst the NBA <laughs> elites, which, you know it's possible but i think the main reason is so that once those teams are out they don't have to deal with cleaning those rooms anymore and like maintaining that part of the, the bubble right yeah and so you just like sh- like shrink the amount of space that uh you know is in the ecosystem but don't you think they run a huge risk of an outbreak at the fucking what did you say the grand destino
0: like yeah i think <laughs> imagine you know, one fell swoop, suddenly the Bucks, Clippers, and the Lakers. Are gone. Kawhi, gone. Yeah. uh, LeBron are taken out. Well, that, that's a good news for the teams in the yacht club. Then all of a sudden exactly. you have Suns NBA Finals. we <laughs> were
1: sleeping on Luca last week. Maybe the Flitter, Floridian or whatever that middle tier one is called. They're they're the ones that are really gonna make a run.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny when you put it that way because if you really are thinking about this strategically, you want to isolate all the top players. You want to essentially mix it up so that if one hotel goes down, exactly. you've enough stars and good teams to carry the league. Yeah, um, but it, it is, I guess, the closest thing to home court advantage you can give these guys. Um, you know, you, you want the number, the top seeds to be well rested, sleeping in luxury, and then obviously the teams that are supposed to be the road teams anyway are gutting it out, and in, in, uh, you know these. The thing is, the the
1: players on the shitty teams are still holding two hundred million dollar contracts. They're not exactly like down for being put up in like shared accommodations. I feel like it's all gonna be nice. It was literally just. I think it was to mess with the with the good with the bad teams. (laughs) Also, like they were like, you got to go to this end of the resort. You can't even come close to LeBron. Don't even think about looking
0: at him. The the other problem with this whole structure is that ideally, the well, the the bottom tier teams are the ones who are the most likely to want to bow out or feel like they have the least to play for, you yeah. gotta put those guys up in the nice rooms. Like LeBron's playing no matter where you put him up in.
1: Right. Oh, uh, I see. So you gotta guys, incentivize right? them.
0: Yeah, you gotta incentivize the bad teams. Like give the Spurs a reason to even care about being there. But
1: All I'm saying know. though is if you're an NBA superstar, your life is pretty depressing if the bubble in Orlando is like a superior accommodation to wherever you're living.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's Maybe for like the
1: 11th man on the Nets, he's like, can I stick around the bubble a little longer? Like, is that possible? Because I don't think you're allowed to be in the bubble after your team's gone.
0: No, no, no. I don't think so either. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. That, that's the first thing s- that's stuck out. But, you know, going through the rules, there are a lot of oddly specific things. So one of the problems <laughs> with this whole proposal is, is, look, a bubble is good and all. I'm glad the NBA is thinking about this critically and you know really thinking about every single possibility. Great, they're doing their homework. But the more strict you get on the rules, the more likely it is the players are going to break them. So, for example, a lot of excruciating detail about the entertainment, which is, is interesting because they actually take the time to list out entertainment. One section to calls out ping pong, pool, dominoes, golf and nba 2k it doesn't say video games it says nba (laughs) 2k which is i don't know how they did their research they just know that these guys that's what they're going to be playing i thought that was funny but another one that i liked specific to some of these games they require anyone playing cards indoors to wear masks players and staff must dispose of the deck at the end of each game and session. I love that. And then I they said it. sufficient packs of cards will be available. Cause your first thought is, wait, they're throwing away each deck of cards? And they're like, nope, don't worry, we will have enough. Which is wild to me that this is the level what, of the detail. That what they, they need in. to invent is, you know in
1: Vegas where they have, um, you know, you play like six six deck blackjack or something, but they have the um, the. The shuffler machines that will just do it for you. Yep. They need to, they need to set that up, but instead of just shuffling, they also sort of spray in some something. exactly yeah, like that some have laminated
0: cards. And then exactly. Just
1: yeah. That then we wouldn't be wasting so much paper out here and getting the recyclists on our apps. Maybe this is a business opportunity. You think we can
0: uh get something to get <laughs> delivered to me.
1: I would give anything in my life to be in this bubble. So if that means that I gotta create a business from scratch in the next six weeks. I'm down. Like whatever you whatever we think is gonna work, I I just want in. Like this sounds like the greatest thing of all time, frankly. They had you at NBA
0: 2K. Yeah.
1: They were <laughs> like, hey, we want more people to be able to win a title under Idris Elba. We just need more people in the bubble for that and be able to coach. The thing is, so it's funny, like I used to work for a company that had set up their own training facility because they were like, it's too expensive to to be renting out hotels in random cities. And we just have so many damn employees. Let's just build our own training facility, right? Yep. So they build it for for all of the um, people who needed to go, like, you know, you'd go once a year for a week. And it reminds me so much of that because it was a total one-stop shop, right? Like <laughs> all of the food, unlimited food, like workouts like the bar was a sports bar they had snacks they had obviously like any type of technology basketball courts and it feels very much like this where it's like you're free but you're not really free in fact just like the way that the league is doing it you would wear these like bands on your wrist that would tell if you got into your hotel every night so into your hotel room really yeah the property came with like two hundred hotel rooms or whatever to to support all the people that were there for the training and so like they were discouraging obviously people sleeping in each other's places et cetera et cetera they, had actually put,
0: of, they actually checked on that That's it wild.
1: wasn't a band it was like it would check your card and so if you didn't wow. go home so like if you didn't if you didn't swipe back into your room that night they would know damn <laughs> and like it it felt very um like Big Brother-ish for sure. And I'm sure a lot of the NBA guys are feeling that way. But at the same time, it was like this controlled paradise.
0: You know what I mean? That's crazy to me that yeah. you guys did that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I think, you know, the other the other thing about the the games. Uh, here's another one of my favorites. Uh, doubles and ping pong will not be allowed. How many I of these guys are that. playing ping pong? Like how bored are they getting that they're, I mean, I love, I love ping pong. I just find it funny that like, you know, Harden and Westbrook, like, yo, we want to play ping pong, but we got (laughs) to play double. And then, you know, it's.
1: Right. Like Lamor and and, uh, PJ Tucker have to get next. Like they (laughs) can't play each other. I mean, dude, you just listed all the things that they were allowed to do. There's not a lot. Like if you're an NBA player, you just, I mean, like, look, movie screenings, they're not trying to do like a drive-in movie to watch Footloose or like The Breakfast Club. You know, like, they have DJ sets, but there's only a bunch of dudes in here. It's like, that's <laughs> going to be whack as shit. Like, yes, you can play 2K. I'm actually interested about the lawn games. Like, are LeBron and AD <laughs> going to play Kawhi and PG and, like, Cornhole? Because that's not socially distanced either, unless you have wide-ass boards.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The lawn games are going to be whack. Who knows what they're going to do with that. And then, I mean, the fact that they list dominoes as one of the things, like, that just tells you there's not much entertainment, like, you're better off not listing some of these things, but the moment you say dominoes is one of your forms of entertainment, these players are gonna be like, yo, I'm I'm done. I'm, well, the thing is, they're talking to their agents. They're like, we got to figure out a way to, yeah. Uh, well, to these that's rules. the thing, right? Whether they're playing
1: dominoes or playing Blu-ray, which is like you know popular card game like poker, whatever it is, those are all things they do on cross country flights when like the heat are coming home from yeah, playing the those Lakers in the club. Yeah, Yeah. except this is like a permanent cross-country flight that they just can't get out of. That's the problem.
0: That's the problem, yeah. But
1: if you're LeBron, right? Here's the other crazy thing. So they have 35-person parties that are allowed to travel. And here's where I got confused. Because if a player wants to bring a personal chef or a personal masseuse or whatever, like their trainer, that counts as part of the 35. No. So I'm guessing Javale McGee is not allowed to bring his own guy, but maybe LeBron is. Like, where are oh, they drawing 100%. the? Cu- where are they drawing the cutoff of who is and isn't allowed to like add someone? That that part's weird. Like, too, is Chris because... Middleton can he bring his masseuse, or they're just like, yo, you got
0: to use the team masseuse? Like, only Giannis. That that is also confusing to me, especially the food situation. Because what are these guys gonna do for food? So they're giving them three meals a day, four meals on game day. But what what meals? Who's cooking? Like all these guys have very like highly tailored specific diets and what it's yeah. just it's the Orlando, like the Disney World, like whatever catering. Well, they're they not like, feeding them like funnel cake from fucking Epcot Center. <laughs> no, I they're... know. I know. I know. I know. It's like it's probably like best in class catering and things like that. But I'm just saying they don't have as much control over their diet, too, which is interesting to me because yeah. every I'm sure every player has their own tailored kind of regimen whether for workout and for food. um, Oh, yeah. So,
1: I mean, so we're going to. So the way this like. This training facility that I went to worked is like they would have these individual stations that made specific types of food, like if you wanted pasta, if you wanted steak or whatever. And then they had like a hot bar and a cold bar that was buffet style. Now, I don't know what the future of buffet is in this world post coronavirus. Like it's possible it doesn't exist anymore. Like Golden Corral's dead. But I think if you assume that everyone's healthy within this bubble, maybe buffet is cool. And then you're like, all right, here's like a bunch of protein, a bunch of healthy stuff or whatever. And then you also have like whatever junk food desserts you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll have stuff that NBA players want, but. You know, based on this experience you had, you should have been a consultant, man. Like, why isn't Adam Silver calling you up and figuring out what to do with this whole proposal?
1: I honestly didn't even think of it until five minutes before this <laughs> podcast started. And I was like, wait, I've already lived in the bubble.
0: And just uh, like that, this was in the middle of
1: Texas and you couldn't go anywhere. It was very, uh, yeah. very similar. Very
0: similar. Um, another one of my favorites is no sharing of goggles or snorkels in the water. So <laughs> this this one got me because I i i can't it's like oh you these see stories. a fish and you want to
1: give the goggles to your boy to see the fish also like it's a very calm and, catch and, situation. You and
0: then you're immediately disqualified from game four of the eastern conference finals um that one was funny to me because i uh, yeah the rules are just so so specific um you can catch
1: you yeah how about the hotline that they're setting up
0: yeah <laughs> Oh, where you can snitch on your fellow players. Oh, there have been so many
1: great jokes on Twitter. meme factory, yeah. I feel bad D'Angelo Russell is, like, trending on Twitter. Yeah. And I was like, did he do something stupid or did he say something interesting? And I was like, nope, he's just getting totally clowned for being the guy on that hotline.
0: LeBron is for sure, like, giving someone like Alex Caruso the job to just patrol the, the campus and spot violations and report them. So I would say that the chances of people...
1: Escaping or sneaking out of this bubble, um, are a hundred percent. Like someone's oh. gonna do it. Yeah. Especially with the way Florida's opened up, meaning other stuff is available to go do. Now, based on everything we've seen from the last three weeks in terms of coronavirus uh results, it it seems that Florida is totally fucked. But you know, we don't know by end of July, maybe they've gotten in control, in control again. And Orlando is actually somewhere where you can go do stuff. And, you know, dude, that's the thing, right? Like, let's say you're Devin Booker. You, you're you 24. No. 20. No, he's not even 24. He's like 22, 21, living the prime of his life. He's stuck in this damn bubble. His team's going nowhere. They have no shot. Like, he's going to Orlando.
0: He's figuring out a way to get to a club down there. Oh, 100%. You know what it reminds me of? Remember the Dennis Rodman story in The Last oh, yeah. Dance where he just jets off to, to Vegas um, yeah. and then they gotta go get him? I feel like there's gonna be one yeah. or two NBA players who just take off. They're in some unknown city, like practice is happening. And everyone's like, yo, where is James Harden? And it's like, sorry, he's in a strip club back in Houston. Yeah.
1: Oh, he um, just leaves or the whole state of Florida. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has private jets. That's the thing, they could get anywhere.
0: Yeah, guys
1: are traveling right now,
0: honestly. Dude, but like if you think about the stories, like the NBA already is known for outside of basketball. It's just a content factory. Oh, yeah. Drama, um, off the court and just free agency, everything. I feel like this uh, summer we're going to get so many stories and so many Reddit articles about this person was spotted doing this. And there's going to be controversies over, oh, Giannis and Bledsoe were playing doubles and ping pong. Um, you're going to get all these kinds of weird things. Um, it's going to be
1: citizen journalism that's going to be in play is yeah. out of control. Like every Orlando resident needs to have their eyes peeled. And honestly, if I lived in Orlando, I would just quit my job and just kind of patrol the borders of this resort and just wait <laughs> for people to
0: come out of there. Exactly. Just, just be an Uber driver, just waiting for like one of these guys. Exactly. to Exactly.
1: Like, right. red. Right, right. So here's the thing, right? Like it sounds like a, great summer camp but these guys don't want to be in summer camp their life is summer camp their life is like a better version of summer camp so they're just like and like you know and we're gonna get to this a little bit but like they're basically not gonna be super thrilled with the way this works like today i just saw a report that there's these bands or rings that they can wear yep it's allegedly not uh mandatory it's voluntary but Somehow, and I have no idea the science behind it, but somehow it tells within 90% probability whether or not you're going to get coronavirus. I have no idea. I was like, can I get one of these? Like, it sounds
0: like, like important technology. Like It's funny because all of a sudden this like super advanced futuristic sounding technology that helps solve all these problems just magically appears. We're like, how come we haven't heard about this anywhere else? And I get MBA, you know, they have access to, uh, you know, more advanced stuff and it's – obviously going to be given to them instead of the the public, but that, it sounded super futuristic to me. It's like, how does this even work?
1: Well, so, you know, uh, Jason Concepcion from The Ringer, yeah. he tweeted, uh, he, he, he responded to that, and he tweeted, part of the utility of the NBA returning is seeing how it might be possible to respond to the pandemic when people are highly valued. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, shit. Yeah, like, they're yeah. not giving this to Joe Schmoe up the street. They're <laughs> just going to let him get coronavirus and take his chances, which is you know,
0: <laughs> fucked up as we laugh through it, but... um Yeah. Well, speaking of the ring, the other one that was interesting is the uh, players will have the option to wear a proximity alarm that will mm. notify a player if he spends more than five seconds within six feet of another person who's also wearing an alarm. And this is mandatory for team staff, but optional for players, which... What single player is going to wear this thing? I, I just... <laughs> It's really, look, it's,
1: I can't even put into words. Like, first of all, let's, let's understand one thing. I get the point of like separating them as much as possible when they're not on the court, right? Some people are like, well, they're going to be sweating on each other and playing each other. So what does it matter if they're, if they're interacting? Well, it's like, well, in those exact moments, they may not pass the virus back and forth. So the idea is that you just limit the number of opportunities that has yep. to happen. But, like, this is a little bit of extreme to me. Like, what, are they going to have, like, a little buzzer, like, almost like a collar on their necks being like, oh, like, I'm within five feet. Like, this is a no-go for everyone. I'm surprised that it's actually mandatory for the staff, frankly.
0: Yeah. And this I'm is, like, a
1: pure, too. like, who's got leverage to say
0: no. So, like, it's just – if you can you imagine, like, a coach's meeting? So, I think this is only when you – I don't know when this applies. You have to wear it 24-7, but – if your coaches are meeting up, like what's the rule with that? You have to stay six feet apart in a meeting? Like
1: Yeah. I mean, basically they're gonna have I bet you because like the way the facilities are set up, they probably have room enough. So it's gonna be like, let's say it's a five person meeting, they're gonna meet somewhere that could fit 20, that type of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they
1: just gonna have a big screen and I mean, they still haven't talked about exactly what they're gonna do with um the, you know, immunocompromised people, the people who have diabetes, the people who are, uh, you know, have hurt, hard conditions, cholesterol, hard and um, has asthma. asthma. Those are, yeah, those are three or four of the biggest, uh, you know, biggest conditions that make people susceptible and the age, right? Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, and one more coach, I think is above 65. Um, I can't remember right now, but There you can't segregate who? Bud,
0: Coach Bud or no, he might be younger.
1: Yeah, he might be a little bit younger, but you can't segregate based on age, right? You can't discriminate based on age, but they have to pass some type of evaluation, I think, whether they can be admitted to the bubble or not or something to that effect. Um, So they're going to have to just say something where that has to be all coaches or all staff to avoid that ageism. Issue. Right, because Rick Carlisle, who's the president of the Coaches Association, actually came out and was like, hey, this is going to like if they get sick in that bubble, that could hinder future job opportunities. Or if they can't coach there, you could argue, well, they're a liability if this continues into 2021. Yeah. Right. Well, what if I'm hiring Mike D'Antoni and I don't even know if he can be on the sidelines next season, much less the rest of this one.
0: Exactly. And it will have ripple effects that. Uh, yeah. Uh, consequences. So one thing a lot want- of stuff they still need to figure out
1: yeah one thing I wanted to bring up, which I thought was funny was that and I get it because they're just limiting the number of people, but no family allowed till round one. So for all the yeah. shitty teams that are out, like your family, your kids, your wife, they don't matter um, but only once round one and that's gonna be a big see if you're that a lot of people are saying the first 45 days are gonna be the worst part of this. Yeah, because for most people, it's like purgatory where you're not going anywhere. Even for the best teams like the the Bucks, Cat, uh, Clippers, Lakers, they're it's a formality. They're going to be through round one. Yep, and you just have to wait it out, right? And this is an indication of that. So, like, the family is essentially going to occupy, I think, the space that the eliminated teams
0: have now left. Well, yeah, exactly. And what I'd want them to do with the family situation is could you imagine if all players have to publicly disclose the family members that they're bringing oh. i'd want to know who's bringing their parents and who's bringing some you know ig models as, as part of their family uh would be very interesting <laughs> to see yeah right exactly like kyle kuzma just got like three models rolling
1: up and it's like wait a second and he's like no they're long-term relations of relationships <laughs> of mine like we 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 go way back we're very close So J.J. Redick and Pat Connaughton, I don't know if you listened to that podcast from either earlier this week or last week, but we're talking about this exact thing, right? Which is like, where do we draw the line in terms of wives, girlfriends, fiancés? Like, You can't. It's just got to be
0: three, like whatever number of people you can bring. It doesn't matter who they are.
1: Exactly. Um, I just think that like, you know, the NBA, (laughs) it's such a thorough way that they've done this. Um, And everyone's going to have some issue with it, right? But I think as far as like, if you've made the decision that we're playing in some capacity, and you understand everything that that means, given the climate, given everything else, I don't think they could have done a better job. As much as we're joking about stuff, I don't think they could have done a better job considering every outcome. And there's probably a lot that we even haven't considered yet, right? Like let's let's talk about people getting tested positive, they basically are out for two weeks, they have to get two more positive, two more negative tests, Mm -hmm. right before. So basically, what happens if you test positive, they test you again to see to make sure it wasn't a false positive, then they quarantine you for two weeks of which you cannot do any physical activity. And this is why it's really critical, because there's a lot of conversation about how we still don't know what the long term effects of Coronavirus are, right. So Mm -hmm. it could have like, debilitating um effects on your lungs on your respiratory system so they're like wait a second like this isn't fair if you're putting us out there it's not just about being asymptomatic this could have a you know still cause problems for me six months later so they're like okay no activity then two more negative tests before you're back um and i think look i don't know that a lot of leagues have this kind of detail around what's happening
0: no the nba i mean as much as we joke the means done a perfect job in terms of you have to get into this level of detail. Like as we joke about the games, but the fact that they're thinking about even when you're playing cards, which we know NBA players love to do, how are you gonna enforce the social distancing guidelines? How are you gonna prevent it being spread in those hand those kinds of interactions? So they're they've done a better job than anyone could have expected. Like the fact that this is so detailed is great. Um and no other league has clearly put that much thought into this or at least they're not socializing it right I think the other good thing the NBA is doing is um they're socializing a lot of this so I think it's also a PR thing where the public is aware that okay they are taking every measure possible to make this safe right now I I think that's going to have the effect also of these the player association I think a lot of this is happening behind the scenes where players are not happy with these rules I haven't heard much publicly but I bet you there's a lot of negotiation going on right now over some of this. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fair point, right? Because it's like, okay,
1: we have every precaution in place. That doesn't mean we can be fully zero risk. And one of the things we've talked about is like in this circumstance, in this environment, in this public of a of an outcome of a pandemic, all these things. One screw up, one mess up, one bad instance could torpedo everything, right? Even if it was a 99.999% chance it wouldn't happen, the risk reward uh, is so heavily um, weighted towards risk potentially Um, because, you know, COVID is obviously something that's been covered ad nauseum. It's stopped our society for three months. So, you know the NBA has done the good thing of like, allowing people to not participate, all they have to do is forfeit their salary that they would have been paid. It's like one ninety second of their salary. So it's not necessarily a major part of it. But you know, there's no disciplinary action, there's no real like reason required or like, excused absence. It's just like, if you don't want to play, don't play. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, do you think a lot of people are going to do that? I don't think so, but I'm curious what you think, because we have seen a good amount of dissent recently.
0: I think there'll be a handful of players. I don't think it's going to be anyone super high profile. Um, I think you will see a handful of players, and a lot of them, you know what, they're not going to do it under the guise of they don't want to play. They're going to do it under the guise of, and I'd hate for this to happen, but maybe the social justice issues or things that, hey, there's more important things going on right now. Yeah. Um. And I I hope hope they truly believe that. They're not just using that as a cover. Or there's another situation where it'll be uh, guys talk about some kind of injury, right? And they just want to shut it down. Hey, they need to rest up still. Yeah. So some lingering things. They need to get surgery. They decide this is the time to get surgery. Who knows? Um, And we've already seen that, right? Yeah, we have. Boyan Bogdanovich, LaMarcus Aldridge. Those
1: two guys were both going to be in the bubble. And in fact, Aldridge, fine. The Spurs didn't have
0: a chance. Bogdanovich. I mean, the Jazz could have made a legitimate run. Yeah. No, exactly. And there are going to be a few more players who come out now that they've seen the rules. Yeah. Who will come out. And be like, yo, Now I'm that they've on.
1: seen the restrictions on the snorkeling goggles, they're going to be out. Yeah.
0: So I don't think I actually don't think that's going to be a huge problem. It's not going to be like this thirty percent of the players are defecting or yeah. anything like that. Um, and there might be one or two high profile players who might make a stand, but I think overall it's going to be. We're going to get majority of the teams out there.
1: Yeah, so I think there's kind of four main reasons why someone wouldn't play, right? That's kind of been voiced. Um, And so the first is, let's take one by one. So the first is the health factor, which we're bringing up. Now, we both agree that as far as leagues restarting, this is about as safe as it can be. Um, The NBA is naturally... um, benefited from just the size of the teams. And, the, and like, you're able to create this bubble environment, like this would never work for football, just given the sheer number of people involved. Um, even baseball has twice the size of an NBA team. And so all things considered as as restrictive as the rules may be as like, overprotective, as it seems like they're being they're they're about as safe as possible, but it's still not zero risk. Now, no players living their own lives in whatever city they're living in is definitely not zero risk. And I would argue for most players, it's a higher risk doing whatever they're doing than Mm -hmm. coming into this bubble. Yep. You can't prove that.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, there's, they're playing pickup. They're doing, you know, they're doing all kinds of other activities that could, that it's not controlled. You have no control over the environment as, as opposed to this one. But I think the bigger concern is not, it's not just the health it's, for guys, and we've already seen this—the 2017 class—you um, know they're looking for the, to that next big contract. Yeah. Uh, and this is a pivotal time. And the Kings, for example, are going to pay De'Aaron Fox like that is no question. He's going to get that that max deal. But he hurts his ankle in essentially that eight game stretch in which the Kings likely may not make the playoffs. And there's eight games in which that happens and destroys his kind of uh, potential earnings, right? So. I think we're here. I mean, these guys are, you know, asking the NBA to pay for insurance and things like that. But that's another piece. Like, do these guys want to risk an injury for this meaningless eight game season in which many of them aren't going to go far? Well, here's what we have to
1: understand, right? There's there's two things to consider. One is that there are certain guys who are injury proof, meaning no matter what happens in um, in this bubble, they're going to get their money right and. Yep. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in June of last year and still got the full four-year max. Now none of the 2017 rookies are, Kev- are rookie extensions are Kevin Durant, but you know Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, um, Donovan Mitchell, all these guys are going to get the max money. You know, Bam out of bio, all these guys are going to get the max money that they were intended to get. The bigger question is for the not max players, right? The guys like Davis Bertans on the Wizards, who has never really gotten a big payday in his career. Or let's take a rookie extension who's not a max player, Lonzo Ball, who, you know, maybe he's in line for like a four for 50 or four for 60 extension. If he gets hurt or if he plays poorly or whatever it is, does that go down? Now, conversely, maybe he plays his way into a bigger contract, in fact, a max contract, right? I think we're always assuming the downside. In a lot of cases, you could play your way forward. We've seen so many guys throughout the history of the league get paid off the two-week stretch in the playoffs. The problem is
0: the upside now is going to get discounted because there's – this weird circumstances, this per- perception that there's an asterisk around all this. Right. So if a guy blows up in the playoffs, you're like, well, it's in this weird, you know, circumstance. everyone else was fat and slow. Type. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the the danger.
1: So the second thing, and here's the fascinating catch 22 um, and something that after Kyrie and others came out in somewhat of opposition of playing, uh, I think a lot of NBA players that were favoring to come back, made sure that was clear, which is financial ramifications. So, you know, we've talked about this, but the way the salary cap gets decided is by total basketball related income, BRI, um, gets split, 50% goes into the owner's pockets, 50% is allocated to create a salary cap. So if the if the salary cap is 115 million, which is what it was projected to be this season, um, that means 115 times 30, 30 teams is how much of the player's share was basketball related income. Yep. Now, if they don't play, they're projecting this could go down by as much as, you know, 30 million per team on a salary cap. Like the salary cap could be sitting at 85 to 90 million. Um now, what that means is first of all, there's guys like Damian Lillard who's already signed his contract um, and he's gonna be set, but taking up an insane percentage of that cap. But there's guys like Donovan Mitchell who maybe he's not playing to protect his deal. But what's really happening is if they don't play at all is his deal is worth a lot less than it could have been.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Instead of starting out as a four for 160 extension, that could be like a four for 90 extension. And yes, 90 million is still a lot of money. But, you know, we're talking about almost a 50 percent pay cut from what he was originally slated to get. So it's very, very dicey. And it's a
0: catch 22 for a lot of these guys. Absolutely. Uh and I think th- that's the story that doesn't get reported on enough is that the the financial ramifications for this are massive. Like whatever you think about whether they should play or not, for all the reasons out there, a player has to think about that salary cap. And and it you also, like if you're a LeBron James um, and you have a vote, you're a vocal, uh, you're a big voice among the players. You represent a lot for the league. LeBron's set no matter what. But. He also has to think about I'm going to play or I have to speak up for the players who want to play because we can't let that CBA completely screw us next time. So it was interesting to me that um, and well, I know we're going to get to the Kyrie and the social issues. But, you know, some of these guys, like I think it's it's hard when there's a lot of criticism of Kyrie, for example, went by like Ed Davis came on and said, look, Kyrie's made millions. So for him, it doesn't matter if he sits out. Yeah. But for the rest of us, like we're like banking on that next contract, especially if right. you're a free agent in the upcoming season. So I, it's a hard one. And you don't want decisions to be made because of money. But it's for the sport to survive – for players, their yeah. livelihoods, and for them to survive – You do need to consider that, Um, right? I mean, there's
1: things more important in this world than money, but that's too esoteric of a statement to be made in what's known as reality, right? This is a business; they're all part of that business, and have profited greatly from that business, as have owners, right? So this isn't a who's more, you know, at fault or who's, you know, who's got the onus on them. But the reality is. Yeah, Ed Davis is right. Like Kyrie Irving just signed for 140 million last year. He's coming off a previous deal where he made 75 million. So yeah. on top of millions and millions on off the court endorsements. And I respect Kyrie in a way for a lot of what he said. Like I know he's getting clowned for reasons yeah, that, that are more that's a separate with, issue. Yeah. yeah, reasons with more to do with him being Kyrie than what he was saying, in my opinion. Um, but I think I think that's a valid factor. Like the other thing is if they don't play this year, they're gonna get locked out, right? they've already created a provision to tear up the cba and and create a new one now if they tear up the cba with playing even though there's financial losses there's going to be goodwill on both sides if they don't play when the nba owners and commissioner put out a very foolproof plan in their opinion they have no the league, they'll never recover and you know when the when the league locked out in 2011 bri so basketball re- related income for the players was actually 57% and they brought it down to 50, which was a win for the owners, but the, the TV contracts were such a boon financially that everyone won, right? Yep. Even though they got less of a share of that pie, the pie grew such uh, in such um you know unprecedented terms. Now you're gonna have a situation where the pie shrinks and they get less of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they wanna entertain that situation, like um You know, you brought up the point about LeBron. Chris Paul, same way. He's made a ton of money in his career, but it's his responsibility as president of the players union to look out for everyone. Um, It's hard, right? Like, you know, the NFL just went through this where Aaron Rodgers was telling them not to accept that new CBA because there were so many ways that they were still getting screwed. But guys were just like, whatever, I'll play a 17th game if I can make an extra 250K. Like, who cares that that money to Aaron Rodgers may be nothing. But to me, it matters. Mm -hmm. and it is hard to balance you know what's good for you versus what's good for the league especially if you sit in a certain part of that hierarchy
0: yeah and that's why i always thought when we talked about this before we made the joke of oh these guys can't even stay quarantined for two to three months yeah it's not just they're not doing this for for no reason it's like you're sucking it up doing this for two to three months because it's going to have a huge impact on future earnings on that next contract and so like, these guys, as much as the rules suck, I think you have to just factor that in and think about it's it's worth this two months of just kind yeah. of torture to get there.
1: Right, nobody's living in ideal terms, right?
0: Yeah. And so if you find a way to at
1: least create some normalcy moving forward, then you gotta, like, you know, do do what's best. But that kind of brings me to the next point, which is, like, in terms of incentives for these guys to play, sure, you can bring them there, and sure, you can, like, have them play games but i'm very curious what happens in terms of um not effort level because once they're on the court they're gonna go but like okay the wizards are five and a half games out right yep they gotta make up two games to even qualify for this play-in if they lose one and orlando wins one the first one there's like a one percent chance that it'd even make the play-in game Mm so why is Bradley Beale even going to play anymore just for the passion of the game? Or like what's the incentive to, to the wizards who have him under contract for another two years to have him tear his ACL or, you know, break his arm. Like, I don't know what's going to happen there. Like they're still there. They're still playing, but they're just not going to be on the, like the, the main guys are going to sit out.
0: So that's why I wish there was a financial incentive tied to that eight game mark. Like, I don't know how it would work, but the idea is that if you've played through the eight games, there's some bonus or something that that you can cash out on as a way to incentivize all teams to at least get there. And then once you're in the playoffs, there that's an incentive on its own. Now But
1: Beal wouldn't sit out for load management. He would sit out because he sprained his ankle or something. And we wouldn't, you know, that's just what the report would be.
0: I mean, if he sprains his ankle, he's gonna No, but it's like a point. sprained ankle quote. No, unquote. yeah. And, well, you don't want that, right? I mean, so they're not bringing these bottom-tier teams to just mail it in and sit out all their stars. That, well, that's not the goal. It's the not goal, the goal, like, how do you get them to not do that is my question. Yeah, you got to have some kind of incentive for that eight-game mark. I don't know, but, like, you need to give them a reason to play through those eight games. What if it's a um, – I don't know. Why can't they do, like, spot bonuses? So I think in the West it works better, right? I think there's
1: three teams that have a legitimate shot at that eight seed. Um, which is Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. I think Phoenix but is Phoenix not. But Phoenix and play.
0: San Antonio don't care.
1: They don't care, and I mean, San Antonio
0: might, but like they don't really. Right, and Washington, while
1: they're the only team in the East that could get it, so technically they don't have to fight with these other teams the way the West does. The way they set up the rules is just, it's very, very hard. They're essentially six back with four. They have to get within four. It's just very hard given they're also not good. I mean, they went 24 and 40 for a fucking reason, right? So it's not like they're this juggernaut. So I just, I don't know what they're going to do. And maybe they don't care about Washington. And they did this entirely just for Zion and to satisfy the RSNs. That's probably what it was. Yeah, Uh, they don't care what happens in the eight games. Everyone could sit every game as long as it's on TV and it's meeting the contracts. And then the Pelicans have a shot to get in.
0: Well, look, yeah, you you want the Pelicans to have a shot. And there is some level of excitement that's generated by adding a couple extra teams. Like otherwise, no one's going to care about the eight games if it's just jostling for seating among the top eight seeds. Right. The only kind of added uh, excitement is around who might get in, who might get out. Yeah. So you got to generate that, manufacture that some way. Right. It becomes too much of a farce if you take the teams after Washington, who I don't even like Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes too much of a farce once you get there. You have to at least just have one. But oh,
1: Washington's not a farce. But yeah, Chicago
0: (laughs) definitely is. No, I mean, nobody cares about
1: if the Pacers or the Sixers finish five or six. Like that doesn't matter to anyone.
0: But the race for the eighth is
1: like a huge thing. Yeah. I just feel like if they were going to bring Washington back, maybe they should have, like, made it easier for them to make. Like, in my opinion, the best case scenario is that they have two playing games. Yeah. They have one in the West, one in the East. So maybe they should have done within five games and then they only had to make up one game or something. Yeah, it's an arbitrary kind of. But they also probably don't care because Orlando versus Washington, like, I'm watching, my dad's watching, and that's about it. Look like maybe
0: Washington maybe Jonathan was, Isaac's parents and when they laid out these plans, they were not thinking critically about Washington, okay, I'll tell you that everything was thought about with the West, and then Washington <laughs> was a throw in. We need one more team of the east, like the, the ninth seed, so I don't think they were thinking about Washington's chances or what actually made sense. um don't give them that much credit harsh reality, but fair, yeah, so i I it's. No, I think it boils down
1: to two things. They wanted Zion to have a shot, and they yep. needed to they needed to play enough games to to meet the TV contract deals. Each. Exactly. Yeah. And now, if Sacramento makes it, or if or if see, I think Sacramento. No offense, is the worst case scenario. Is the oh for the league for the eight because there's no marketable stars on that team yet. You know, at least Portland has Damian Lillard, and then of course New Orleans has Zion, but. Who yeah. is Sacramento gonna market? It's not a huge deal, but of those three teams, I think that's worst the case. The Kings,
0: scenario. Lakers rivalry, man, come on. Right,
1: they could bring Stepanovic
0: back, and he could airball from that same spot. Um, yeah, no, it's a good point. It they're obviously the their wet dream is for the Pelicans, right? Then Blazers, then Kings, then Suns, then Spurs. If any, if that were maybe even Where would
1: you me. put the Grizzlies in that? Because the Grizzlies are the ones that are. Oh, eight.
0: they're. I mean, they're in the eighth. I'm talking about who'd play against the Grizzlies.
1: Yeah. Um, I think if you had to rank teams that they would want, it would go Pelicans first, Blazers second, Grizzlies third. Grizzlies, yeah, because they could. Ja. Ja.
0: more exciting.
1: Yeah, and or better. He's than more yeah. Darren Fox.
0: Well, Darren Fox is a better player, but
1: I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Um,
0: OK, so let's talk about the. So the the last
1: piece that was kind of like, here's why we don't know that this is a great idea is the social justice element. Right. So, you know, when we talked about racism and sort of the fight for equality a couple of weeks ago, one of the things we had touched on was how we didn't want this to be a, uh, you know, short lived movement. And we wanted people to care about this once they stopped protesting and once the news cycle shifted. So in a lot of ways, it's. The good thing that the players are still um, keeping an eye on the ball, right, and focusing on this as a as a major factor of what's going on. On the flip side, I think where I struggle with it is I don't know what the goal is. And mm-hmm. if you don't know what the goals are, I don't know how you can say that you've achieved it or not. Um and then I don't know when it's right to come back to play, which is ultimately your avocation yeah. of ultimately your, you know, what their
0: livelihood. Look, the problem, and, you know, I agree that initial reaction, a lot of us were hypocritical in that we talk about supporting this cause and being, you know, supportive of this movement. And the yeah. moment it threatens the league coming back, The Twitter reaction, the reaction was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? No, that's not the way to do it, right? It was like, like, this was cool until it stopped
1: the NBA from happening.
0: Yeah, so I get Kyrie's point. Now, the problem with Kyrie was, ultimately, he should not have been the messenger. And I get that he's the vice president of the Players Association and he's looking out for the players. But the first reported quote, you know, there was a report that came out saying that he was uh, mulling this and kind of gathering the players to discuss this. And the first report of a quote was that he said it looked fishy or things sounded fishy. And immediately you're like, oh, he's going into conspiracy Kyrie mode and this woke mode in which – and it's just hard to take him seriously when, like you said, if you're going to make a statement like that, come up with a plan. Come up with something more actionable. Say like – because ultimately you're right. If they do step out the season, the next season is going to start in a matter of – you know, just months. It could be in December. Are you prepared to sit out that season as well? Like, come out with a framework, come out with a plan and say what you're trying to achieve here. But just the story saying this seems a little fishy. I don't know if we should come back. I think the problem was in the delivery of the message, not necessarily the message itself.
1: I agree. And and like, I want to be clear that they're trying to solve for systemic racism, right? There are not short term, clear, actionable goals in every regard, right? We have to fundamentally change laws. We have to fundamentally change people's ways of thinking. These are very, very big, broad ideas and therefore can't be confined to like, here are the five things I want for me to come back onto the court. So I'm not even saying that it's fair to expect that. I just think the way it was framed and, and you're right here, which is like the delivery of it, it's like, okay, well then what are we, what should we do? Or what should we like expect to see before you're comfortable playing? And I think with Kyrie, one of the things I've always, you know, we I joke on him a lot, but one of the things I've always had an issue with is sometimes I feel that he says things that sound more intelligent than they are necessarily. Yeah. In this case, I think he makes a lot of good points as well, where it's like half the time it seems very coherent and very insightful, and half the time it seems like I don't know what he's talking about. And if the overall issue is I don't like being a black player playing for white owners which is a lot of what like Avery Bradley was talking about, right? Yep. Where he was like, they need to understand that their whole product exists on the backs of back black players. I feel, I feel that right. Cause at some point as rich as they are, as whatever they are, most of them are only ever employees in this cog. Yep. Uh, they're cogs in the system, excuse me. And I get that because they're, they're thinking, wait a second, everybody is, building this entire enterprise off of me coming back and playing for you in a system I don't feel comfortable with or, or all those worries be damned. And it's almost like it it, it snowballs with everything else going on in a way, um, which is why this wouldn't have happened if this was just a regular season. Um, yeah. And because I think, I think it adds to
0: everything else that's happening. And the, he has a point, right? I mean, think about it. The way we reacted is when it affects our entertainment – Right. All of a sudden, we have a problem with it. And, yeah. you know, one of the issues is they um, – and a lot of the, the Twitterverse and stuff was saying, well, can't you make a bigger statement by playing, giving yourself that media platform. exposure, yep. uh, the platform, and to constantly kind of talk about it in press conference interviews? But then, you know, I heard this the other perspective where it's like you think that would be a platform, but ultimately when people are watching – And you're doing this in the pregame conference, you're doing something during the national anthem, they don't care because basketball is coming back on. Like they're watching to watch the game, and all that stuff is kind of secondary. Yeah. But if you sit out and don't play, all of a sudden you've got their attention because they're saying, why? Like you're denying us of this. When is the basketball coming back? When's basketball coming back? And you're constantly thinking about this. Now, the problem I have with the Kyrie plan, and you're right, he doesn't have to lay out, oh, we won't play until this happens. But the problem also, if, if you stop playing, it'll make huge news. It'll be a big deal for two weeks. But then guess what? The NFL starts coming back. The NHL starts coming back. You're going to lose. Like, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. The NBA ended, and people are going to forget about it. It's yeah. not like you need to come up with a way to make it lasting if you're going to do yeah. that. Because just doing it for that two-week bang is, is going to be the same issue you had that you said you'd have if you played the season. So, yeah. Um, And Avery Bradley's comments were good. I think a lot of players have spoken pretty eloquently on this and raised it in a good point. Uh, I just don't think Kyrie did a great job. And it's hard to take him seriously when he flips between very smart intellectual things and just complete nonsense half the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, protests have to be uncomfortable for people to take note. This was the... I want to say brilliance of Colin Kaepernick in a lot of ways, right? Where people are like, well, why does he have to do that during the national anthem? Why can't he do that separately or on his own time? It's like, because you wouldn't have noticed, you wouldn't have cared, your product would not have been affected. But the fact that he did it during your sacred national anthem means that you're actually paying attention. Now, unfortunately, what happened is, our large portion of the country just couldn't wrap their heads around this galaxy brain idea that it wasn't about the flag and it wasn't about the country and it wasn't about the military. But think about the attention that that protest has gotten from everyone from the president down. Um, If we want to talk about an effective protest, what could have been more effective than what he did? Now, he couldn't have predicted people were so stubborn and racist and frankly, just very much like narrow-minded in a lot of ways or maybe he could have and that's part of why he did what he did and so to that point it's like well yeah we don't play means it's going to turn more heads than us wearing the I can't breathe shirt or us you know putting up our fist because again it's going to be seen as like yeah that's fine just like play the game um and it does kind of make me upset at myself a little bit for for feeling like I cared about it until it took away something I wanted. It very much, it it runs very close to like the shut up and dribble mindset from someone like Laura Ingram that we hate so, so much.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And that's why I think Kyrie was, you know, part of being a VP is speaking for his constituents. And clearly there's a good number of people who feel this way. And so I think it's important that the, the thought and the notion came up. Yes. One of the things I'm confused about is he voted for the proposal to pass the week before. Um, And look, maybe that was by design, right? To get everyone hyped, to then just be like, here's the bombshell I want to drop on you. I don't really know. The timing
0: was weird, too, right? Because, I mean, the timing of this, it it happened that they were probably voting on this proposal before George Floyd and all the the protests and everything really kind of spiked up. True, Um, But, you know, the Colin Kaepernick example is a good one. The funny thing is, if Colin Kaepernick stepped away from the game, yeah, it actually wouldn't have made the same kind of noise. People would have yeah. let it go. But he stayed and made a protest, and then he was blackballed from the league, which is different, right? So that was the reason he didn't play. And so part of me is like, I don't know if it's right or what's the better way. like, Don't play or play. I'm glad the conversation's is happening because there does need to be a conversation. I think Kyrie did a good job for all his faults. I think it's good that this got brought up in a very yeah. public light. Yeah. Uh, and the players are actually talking about this. I hope that they're thinking about if they do play, what are the ways they can carry on the message? And, you know, someone like LeBron, very strongly in favor of playing. But he's still doing what he can. He's doing yeah. uh, in voting reform and obviously speaking out on on all his platforms and donating. And and so I hope the NBA can come up with collective ways to to do this and find a way to play selfishly, maybe. But I think there could be a way to do both. I don't think in this scenario it requires standing for play. But once again, I don't know because yeah. it is like we're uncharted speaking
1: territory. We're speaking also as like secondary observers, yeah. right? Where we're not as much as we empathize, as much as we make sure that we are allies, all those things. That's, that's what we are. We're allies. We don't, we're not yeah. the people who are facing the the type of oppression that's being argued you know fought against so it's hard to always put ourselves like directly in the shoes truly so you know in that in that sense you have to say um you should do what's best but i don't think it's universally like all the black players feel one way or another right no. there's obviously a ton in the lebron cp3 camp if we want to play there's a, some contingent of people in the Kyrie avery bradley dwight howard camp um And I think it's important that that camp gets voiced. I don't think they should be diminished, but I think ultimately that's why I'm glad the league is like, we're not going to punish you. There's no disciplinary action if you don't want to play, but we're still going to, you know, the show is going to go on. Now, the question is, and I don't think this will happen, but are there going to be enough people missing from the contenders such that it is truly an asterisk? Because I think. You know, the two reasons this could be an asterisk season is if, like, top guys get knocked out because of coronavirus or top guys don't show up at all for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, and, you know, someone like Dwight, LeBron will get him in line. <laughs> I mean, whether that's the right thing or not, like, he'll you yeah. like, "Yo, you're playing. Uh, but it's, it's a, interesting it, that two of the guys are on the Lakers, Bradley yeah, and, and Dwight. Exactly. It's a good question. And I think the the challenge ultimately is there's so many reasons why they can sit out. We talked yeah. about there's yeah. you can sit out because of Corona. You can sit out because of injury. You can sit out because of this. You can sit out because of a combination of all three. So it becomes very hard to tell someone they should play because there's a multitude of factors that are very reasonable to make them. Sit yeah, out. So, absolutely. Um, Zach I don't know. Lowe,
1: like, did you I don't know if you listened to Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz this week, but he was saying and he didn't actually like spe- spell out details, but he said that he's talked to some players who are planning to go. And are planning so for some very big statements. I think is how he put it, or something to that
0: effect. I mean, what if what if they go? Like, they're about to play a game, and then Giannis is just like, "I'm not playing." Yeah, yeah
1: maybe. I mean, that would be massive. Well,
0: like, I mean, I don't like something like that where now it is affecting gameplay. That would be huge too, right? Like, who yeah. knows? These guys might go and then still withhold from playing. I don't know. Like
1: almost like the Clippers uh um, you know they almost did this with the Donald Sterling thing back in I think, yep. 2014 or 2015. I think they talked
0: about it, right? Yeah.
1: Um, no, one of the things that's also fair is like, you know, Kyrie has a tendency to question authority. Um and I think it's a very reasonable thing to do. Like our the democracy that we live in was built on the idea of questioning authority or like fighting back against what they feel to be oppressive rule. I think one thing that we 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 forget is just because he's a multi-millionaire the gap between him and his owner is you know I don't I'm, I'm almost sorry to call him his owner the team's yeah. owner is massive right yeah. yeah yeah like he's an employee of that team and you got to think like you know bringing this is a political issue right because you have like let's take trump like there are guys, there are owners in the NBA, not as many as maybe the NFL or some other like baseball that support Trump, that have donated to Trump, that are with him on the campaign, that that's, that endorse him. And the players, rightfully so, are obviously very against everything that they feel Trump stands for. Now, they're supposed to go suit up and basically make money for this guy who is is telling them in all his actions that he doesn't care about their perspective or their plight or their circumstance of their community i mean it's a hard thing to wrap your head around and this has always existed right that's the weird thing and that's the thing where people are having trouble like kind of managing it because it's always existed but it's like until a light is shined on some of those things and for better or worse that's because of how polarized we are as a country today about basically everything where wearing a mask is a political issue now um it goes by the wayside, and maybe now is the time for players to say no longer.
0: Yeah. And look, if I'm a if I'm a player and I'm reading Twitter and reading like just the fact that we're talking about maybe we sit out and entire like community on Twitter is saying, Why would you do that? No, it's more effective to go play a game. And it, like you said, it's like we're essentially saying shut up and dribble and this goes this transcends all political lines, all party lines yeah because it's not it's people like us who are like very liberal who are saying, oh, should you really be sitting out like you might be able to make more of an impact and like for a player to see that and see that everyone is telling them that you really feel like a bond. It's like, okay, so I'm only here for your entertainment and so I right. totally sympathize with why they would feel that way um and you can't blame them like my gut reaction was oh these players I can't believe they're doing this but now when I think about it, you can't blame a single player if he chooses to sit out for that because this is such a complex and nuanced issue that we don't truly understand. And like you said, yeah. that, there's a dynamic there that athletes, they are, they're playing for everyone's entertainment and they are reporting to like an owner who's in control in a lot of ways of their destiny and five times, 10 times, 100 times more wealth.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, the players are out front. We know their salaries. We know who they are. We can recognize them. Like, how many of them know that, like, Kawhi Leonard, just because he signed a $140 million contract, that pales in comparison to Steve Ballmer's $40 billion worth? Like, what are we talking about here, right? Like, Michael Jordan became a billionaire. LeBron is on his way to become a billionaire. Like, Tiger Woods, I think, is cristiano ronaldo i think those may be like the four athletes in history that have reached that plateau yeah. and every single owner in professional you know major four major sports is at or above that level exactly
0: yeah of, so when which, you put it
1: into perspective, of which very very few are people of color specifically black
0: yeah so it's i don't know it'll be interesting um we're still so far from the season. So when do they actually have to report to Orlando? Is so, so
1: July 7th, 8th, 9th is when teams arrive. I think the Raptors are coming first because of some type of okay. – since the, I don't know why. Is because there in I Canada think, something? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah there's like a Canada quarantine situation. Oh, you know what it is? You know how most teams are first congregating in their home city? Yeah. The Raptors can't do that because there's a mandatory 14-day quarantine period in in, in, in
0: Canada. Got it. So people who are not in Canada can't fly to Canada. Yes, so and some players
1: meet. are obviously in the U.S., some are in Toronto. So they are all meeting in a Florida city that's not Orlando. Got it. Tempo. And then getting to Orlando first. So then they basically quarantine for like some amount of time. And then they play three preseason games or three warm-up games. And then... The eight regular season games, I believe, starts on July 30th with the first round of playoffs on August 15th. Yeah.
0: So essentially the first wave of teams in two, two and a half weeks. Yeah. So look, I want players to do what, you know,
1: makes them feel comfortable. I think, yes, there's a selfish element of wanting to watch basketball this summer. But I also think that it's really important to play for the health of the league. And, you know, I think that can't be understated, especially when there's a very finite window that any athlete has to really cash in on their abilities yep. and their work. And based on the timing of that, that can go very well for you or very poorly. Um, you know, we saw in 2016, the reverse, the cap spike led to Jan Mahinmi getting 64 million and Timothy Mazga getting <laughs> 72 million or whatever. That'll, you know, that'll never happen for them if that spike hadn't happened. Similarly, the the depression in the cap could be that the guy who was going to get paid on his one deal you know, suddenly goes from 50 million to 20. And that's, of course, still a lot, but, you know, we're talking order magnitude less.
0: Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's always ripple effects in terms of what that means for the competition in the league because the cap spike allowed the the Warriors to get Durant. Mm -hmm. And similarly, there'll be kinds of consequences where if the cap shrinks, certain teams will be better off than others. So there's a lot. Uh, I think in the next two weeks, we're going to hear a lot more. I think we're going to start to hear individual players bow out um, or say they're going to play. It'll be interesting to see who those players are. Yeah, um, I'm very
1: interested in that. Because on that note, June 24th is when all players have to make a decision of whether they're in or out. Oh, June? I didn't know it was that early. Okay, so that's
0: literally in less than a
1: week. So by this time, when we're recording next week, we should know um where players landed because it's not an easy, easy decision my be- my guess is that most guys come back but look we haven't heard a damn word from Kawhi Paul George no. Westbrook uh Giannis Harden I haven't heard anything from these dudes so I have no idea yeah, they're, because they're,
0: they're I think part of it's also like they shouldn't their PR teams probably saying don't speak out because if one of those top guys speak out it has a you know it could cause a ripple effect in many different ways like all of a sudden more players feel empowered to sit out or right. And so I think they're being told to keep their decision kind of quiet until until next week. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but
1: all right. So this has been fun. Um, lot to think about a lot of moving pieces. Uh, one of the strangest, potentially most impactful kind of stretches of time in our lives and in the world. And clearly, you know,
0: carrying over to the basketball world yeah it's all blending in isn't that crazy yeah. um nothing is kind of isolated anymore which maybe that's how it should be none of these things should exist in, in their own kind of silos yeah but cool man i mean i'm looking forward to it. we've got a couple more weeks and uh you know maybe next week we'll discuss who we think is going to win in that ping pong tournament um you know singles that only the singles only ping pong tournament but uh but yeah thanks everyone for listening uh, send us your thoughts too on like whether you think the players should play or not or how you feel about this thick and thin hoops at gmail.com and uh i'll talk to you next week nathan see you man